0: So I want to start out by just uh, kind of reiterating from the reading Matthew 7. So let's go over to Matthew 7 real quick. You could also go to Luke 11 if you wanted to just kind of get a different perspective on basically the same thing that Jesus says here. He says, "'Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks or sees and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone?' Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So I want to focus in on one aspect of this. And if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4, that's where we're going to be spending really our whole time during the lesson. Well, what I want to ask is, I want to ask, what do you seek? And... What have you found? I've, I've struggled with understanding what Jesus means when he says this. When he says, if you seek it, you will find it. And then there's this other aspect of, if you ask, it will be given. And I think that causes problems for a lot of us at times because we ask for things and we feel like we don't get it. Or we're, we're seeking something and we don't find it. Um, but then I started thinking about this passage from a different perspective. Instead of thinking about all the things that I want, anything that I might seek, it will be given to me and it's going to be easy, think from a different perspective. Maybe Jesus is, I think his his main point is for us to understand that God blesses people. He blesses his children. But I think also it's just kind of an obvious and just a truth, like whatever you're seeking, that's what you're going to find. From the standpoint of like, whatever you put your priority, your heart into, your uh, focus on. That's where it's going to lead you. You're going to find that. Um, professional baseball players find uh, greater talent and greater ability by seeking it, by and they prove that by actually putting work into it. If you want to be um, more knowledgeable on a subject, you seek that by reading up on it or talking to people that have knowledge. So I think it's just a truth. Like Whatever you are seeking, you're going to find that. So now I want to ask this question, what have you found? And just think about that just in very general, broad thoughts. I'm going to give us just a little bit of time uh, just to think about what have I found? And maybe a, a way for me to know what I found is also to ask, what have I been seeking? And The reason I'm asking that is because it's not always God. It usually is things that God says he will give, but rarely is it always going to be God that I've found that I'm seeking. So just think about a few things that maybe we might want to find or that we're seeking. Maybe it's acceptance. Maybe it's peace and comfort. Maybe it's um, some sort of happiness, just just immediate happiness and then also long-term joy. Um maybe we actually don't even seek those things that we're seeking a relationship to fulfill those things but really it's just about a relationship. maybe it's financial stability and that helps us get comfort. I want you to understand that all those things anything you can think of that you might seek out of life or hope to find, I really think that God has said he will provide because it's it's a need it's a desire and Most of those times, there is a way for us to find them that is appropriate, that is is God-given. But we don't always actually seek after those things going through God. We we do it different ways. We can do that by our own means. We try to make it happen ourselves. Or we utilize um, things that are given to us and what's around us to help find peace sometimes that means that we have certain things we get involved in that we shouldn't. Other times it's just good things that we do, but we're doing it from a perspective of like this is becoming the source of what God has said he would give. I'll give you an example. Um, I thought for a little bit about how I'm going to learn to play guitar, and that lasted, I don't know, a couple of weeks, I guess. And, uh, but I already bought the guitar, and so I was like I need to really practice this, and I just didn't after a while. And I thought that's going to help pass the time and that'll help me to have some sort of kind of like, not peace, but just, you know, a little bit of, I can mellow out that way. It was never going to work. (laughs) Like regardless of my ability to, to stand firm and to practice or get good at playing guitar, that was never going to provide that. It might give some momentary help, but it's not going to provide that. I'll give you another example, and this is something that I know that I do. And so maybe some of you are the exact opposite, but you have the same uh, temptation, uh, same thing that you do, just a different way. But being around people helps me to feel acceptance and happiness, and and even just not just immediate happiness, but just joy in life. Like, I love being around people. I don't always understand people. I don't always like certain people. But I love people, and I love being around people. Seeing... People have a good time. It just it gives me such satisfaction. But even if that's with Christians, I can use that as a way to get through life and feel like everything's okay and that I have found something when really I haven't found it. Because it's not it's not something that I can really stand on. We're gonna sing a song at the end, standing on the promises, right? That means there's something firm, there's something like established, something that's gonna be long lasting. If I go through any other means, any other methods to find those things that God has said he would provide, it's going to fall. And I'm going to fall because of that. So I think this is a valid thing to to ask. So let's go over to Romans. We're going to be looking and reading a lot in Romans 4. We're actually going to read the whole chapter, I believe. But um, I want to start by just kind of summarizing some of Romans 3. Because what we're going to talk about is Abraham. And we talked a lot about Abraham, but we're going to specifically talk about what Romans 4 says about Abraham. So kind of summarizing Romans 3, if you just kind of break it down, you have Romans 3, 5 through 8, where there's this whole battle of like we have our unrighteousness and how it shows the righteousness of God. So that means it's okay for us to be unrighteous, right? And his answer is no, that's ridiculous. Although our shortcomings do prove the righteousness of God, we don't need to be sinners just to prove God's righteousness. That doesn't make sense. We need to understand that only through God is, we can only have righteousness through God. I think it's his point. Um, and that's why he asked in verse 8, and why not do evil that good may come? Think about that. Let that process. I'm just going to do bad things so that good things happen. No, that, that's not how it works. My need for God's mercy and grace doesn't allow me or doesn't give me the right to prove to everyone how much I'm in need of that by living a sinful life. That doesn't, its not how it works. Then you have uh, verses, let's go down to verses 19 through 20, where we have this whole idea of um, there's the law, and then how are we going to be justified even when there's a law. So it says that the law is there so that the world may be accountable to God. For by works of the law, verse 20, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. The purpose of the law was to help us understand what sin is so that we can be righteous, not so that we can know we're sinners. We, we already know that. Like I, I don't need the law to, to let me know necessarily that, that I have the ability to do wrong. I need the law to show me what is sin and what is not. That way I can know how I can be closer with God and I can know what is acceptable to Him. And then you have verses 21 through 26, where there's this whole thing about the righteousness of God. And now it's manifested apart from the law. Well, how is that possible? Don't I need unrighteousness to find righteousness? And that's just not true. God is righteous. If I if I can see God and find him, I've found righteousness. I don't have to find unrighteousness first. I can just find God and I can see him. So anyway, so then he goes on and he start. this is when he starts bringing in Jesus into the equation and what we find through him. And then he says, verse 26, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So we understand here that we can be righteous because he has shown his righteousness so that we can come to him and be justified. And then the last section of Romans 3 is verses 27 through 31, the end of the chapter, where he asks the question at the beginning there, then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. But what, what kind of law? By what law of works? By none of that. See, our boasting isn't done away with because of the law. Our boasting is done away with because of our faith and reliance on God. Because I can try my best and I can do a very good job of saying it's about the law. It's about works. But my boasting doesn't go away when I do that. My boasting is almost built up and it's it's magnified and, and multiplied. So that's why we have an understanding of what he says in verse 31. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. So there's this battle of righteousness and unrighteousness. There's this battle of law versus faith. And what we see Paul saying is that they are intertwined. You know unrighteousness because you know righteousness, which is from God. You know how the law operates and how you can live by faith. Because what it actually does is it upholds the law. The basis of the law is not only right and wrong. It's about faith in the one who gives the law. So that's how it upholds the law. So that brings us to Abraham, and I, and I want to tell you a little bit of why I wanted to talk about this. It's in verse one of Romans four. The ESV says, "What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh?" I like the New American Standard translation. I just happened to be listening to it, and it said this, and it reminded me of something that's going on in our culture today. So Romans four one actually says in the in the uh, New American Standard. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? What has Abraham found? You know the game, Pokemon Go, that's uh, sweeping, it's swept the nation, right? Everybody's out there finding something. They're all seeking something. So they're walking around with their phones or tablets or whatever. They're running into each other. They're running into trees. They're like falling off rocks and stuff. It's a craziness. I don't understand. I, I don't have the app. Um, not because I think it's a danger to me physically, but because I think it's ridiculous. And I don't need help getting distracted by things. I, I, I have that by myself. So it's it's a really cool thing that everybody's doing, but what they're doing is they're saying, I got to find this, okay? I want to find the next thing. Sometimes it's what's convenient or is close, and that's cool to find something that, like, oh, it's, it was right here the whole time, you know? It was at my workplace. There, that was a thing... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, people were like, there's one right over there. I was like, this is so dumb. But uh, but it was like, oh, it's so cool. It's where I work, you know? Or it's like, oh, it's in the park, and everybody's going to the park to do this. And so we're all together. Or maybe it's like, I just want to pass the time, so I play this game. And that's how we are in life as well, though. We find things that get our attention, and we just put our focus on that because it's either popular, it's easy, it's familiar. Or just it's a variety so we don't get bored, right? It's just to pass the time. What did Abraham find? He didn't find something that was just going to pass the time. He didn't find something that was just popular or easy at all. He found something that had true substance. So I I don't even know if there's one thing that he found, by the way. I think that immediately he gives us that answer. But as I read through Romans 4, I found about five different things that it might be that Abraham found. So I just want to walk through Romans 4 See what those four or five things are. Maybe you only find one overarching thing that Abraham found. That's fine. But at the end of it, I want to bring it home to us and see, have we found that? And if not, how can we find that? So Let's begin in Romans 4, and we'll pick up in verse 2. Remember the question, what has Abraham, our forefather, found, or what has he gained? Verse 2, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. And whose sins are covered, blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count as sin. Is this blessing then only for the uncircumcised or also for the or all, for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to him as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So we'll stop there, and I think there's a couple of things that we see Abraham found. At the end of this, there's a whole lot of... Like circumcised, circumcised, uncircumcision, and all this, and we'll get to that in a second. The first thing that I think we see is that Abraham found righteousness in verse number three. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham found righteousness. When did he find it? Was it before the law was given, or after? It was before. How can that be? How can you find righteousness without knowing the law, without knowing right and wrong? Now, maybe there was just an understanding of what was right and wrong before the law was actually given. I mean, there is some sort of understanding in the garden, right? I mean, they knew one thing that was wrong, and maybe they knew other things as well. So I don't know if there's some sort of way that God communicated through others or or maybe very, very individually to, to know what was right and wrong. I don't know for sure. But I know that in my life, I need the rules, right? That way I know what's good and bad, what's right and wrong. Now, there's some things I can just tell are not okay because it does harm to others. But really, that's the only time I know something is okay without you telling me that it's okay or that it's not. So how did Abraham find righteousness without the law already being given? Well, I think it's because what we see is that he had a belief in God. Uh, we don't, we're not going to turn over there, but i I do want to just bring up a passage that I thought about a couple weeks ago when we were um, going through, and I think it might have even been when Robin was teaching, but it was in Genesis fifteen sixteen. And you know, it's after uh, we read from part of Genesis fifteen earlier. So God appears to Abraham in or Abram at the time, and He lets him know, "Hey, this promise is still going to happen, and you need to look up at the heavens, look at the stars. That's how many, how big the nation will be is going to come from your seed, right?" And then Abraham does something. He builds an altar in verse 16. But what it actually says is that he built that altar to the God who had appeared to him. Back then, I don't know what the culture was like. But my guess is that you could make a lot of different things a god. You could attribute a lot of things to many different gods. Isn't that how the Egyptians got to the point that they did? It's kind of just how it works in history that... You step back when there is not some sort of written thing that you have. You step back and you observe things and you start thinking there's something bigger out there. So you have like a, a rain god, a sun god, all these other types of things. Abraham, Abram in that moment, built an altar to the god who had appeared to him. There might be, an, uh, there might be just something in there to say that Abraham might have believed in some other gods at one point. But he was always seeking after the god. Who is in control, I think. So I think that's how he found, he found righteousness. Was He was always seeking someone or something that was higher, that was greater. And all of a sudden, boom, there he had evidence of him and he worshipped him. Before the law was ever there. Did, did God tell him how to do that? Did he, did he instruct him exactly on all the things? No, we don't see that. Abraham just followed and because he had faith in God. so That's how he had righteousness. Which brings us to the second thing that he found which is faith. I think we see that in verse 9. For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. They go hand in hand. He found righteousness because he had faith, and he had faith because of some righteousness that he found by God. How that works, I don't exactly know, but it's in conjunction with each other. He found righteousness, and thereby he found faith as well. How can you find faith? How is that something you can find? Don't you just have it? So, I had a conversation um, a year and a half ago with a, a college student back where I was in in Florence, and uh, you know he he's a guy that was just kind of struggling, and, and it and a lot of us could tell, and he had kind of separated himself from some people who were super close to him, and I saw there's being some tension there, and so he wanted to meet with with me and another guy, and so we're talking, and he was letting us know that he's not he was not going to be worshiping with us really, not not say that he was never going to come back, but. His reason that he gave was that I just think I need to go on a journey to find my own faith. And I appreciate wanting to be secure and sound in what you believe and not just take what other people tell you as being law or not, not have your faith only based on like your parents' faith and everything. But I found that statement to be utterly ridiculous. And I found him in that moment to be very weak because he was. Because he didn't believe he had already found faith. And yet he was a 22-year-old guy that was a believer in Jesus Christ. And he still needed to find faith. And that's sad. But it's scary because a lot of other people say the same thing. And so what I realized also is that as he was saying he wanted to find his own faith, he was as lost as he could be. He was as lost because he had no idea, no direction, and he wasn't wanting to help in finding that direction. He just knew that he wanted something different is what it came down to. Uh, So he's finding a lot of things that are different in life right now. And he's finding a lot of different beliefs and a lot of different religions, but really he's just finding a lot of things that he can do with his life. It's not about faith anymore. It's about himself. That's the problem. We make it about ourselves sometimes in this Effort to find what is true, find faith, find whatever. We just want to feel good. And we just don't want people to to make us feel bad about things. So we separate ourselves from those who are going to do that. That's not what Abraham did. Abraham found faith. And he found it by observing what was real and seeing God and believing in him. and Believing on him based on the evidence that was put right before him and he had faith he found faith because of that now his faith grew i believe i mean after god said go what made abraham go he had faith from then, and then as he kept on being uh, impressed by god and with his ability and with the things that he did his faith grew and grew and that's the same that will happen with us so we can find righteousness and we can find faith as well and we'll talk about that in just a little bit but let's go on and begin reading verse 13. Who is the father of us all? As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of, of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old. Or when he considered the bareness of Sarah's womb. No, unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to, uh, to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. So I think in these verses, there's three different things that we see Abraham found. The first thing is that Abraham found hope through God's promise. He didn't find doubt. He didn't find a reason to question through God's promise, even though it was very hard to believe the promise at one point. Look at verse 13 through 15. The promise to Abraham and his offspring, it would be heir to the world, did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And then what does it say that he had? For if his adherents of the law who were to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to his offspring. And then in verse 18 is really where we see, in hope he believed. And we'll get into that in a second as far as what he goes on to say. He believed against hope, or he hoped against hope. He found the promise of God and thereby he found hope in the promises. He didn't find that because... He it was blind, or he didn't find that because he thought, alright, God, we'll see what you got. You know, that's not hope in the promises. He found hope in the promises because everything that had happened to that point, God was proven to be true. I think that that's that's probably one of the things that maybe maybe Abraham didn't think that verse because it, it wasn't there, but I think that this is kind of something that we should be thinking about a lot more. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth, and you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. It hadn't happened yet. So Abram had no reason to doubt. It hasn't happened yet for us. We have no reason to doubt. All have come to pass for you, not one of them has failed. He had hope in God's promises because of that, but that's not all he found. He also found endurance and confidence. You look at verses 16 through 19. Um, you see that he had to keep on going in the presence of the God in whom he believed who gives life to the dead and calls in existence the things that do not exist. So he had to have this endurance even though he doubted, even though he was almost 100 years old. It says he did not weaken in his faith when he considered his own body. He had evidence and reason to doubt, but his faith didn't weaken. And it says that which was, was as good as dead. I mean, can you imagine being 99 years old? I mean, I, I, I already can't do that, right? <laughs> I'm already out. Uh, but can you imagine being 99 or 100? Let's even just bring it down to something that could be real life for us today. Can you imagine being like 60, 65 years old, and then all of a sudden God reassures you that you will have a child by this other lady who is like, you know, not that much younger than you, Right and whose womb, it was clear, was barren. But you're going to have a child. You're going to have a son. And through him, you will be blessed. You will be a blessing for all, and you and you will have a great nation. Somehow, Abraham's faith and his hope, and I think it was because of the righteousness that he had within him already, he was able to keep on going and still believe in the promises. And lastly, the thing that I, is... Really, the the end of it, or the last thing that I find that he, or I see that he found, is verses 20 through 22. He found peace and he found true life because of that. He grew strong in his faith, verse 20, as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Abraham didn't just look towards the things that were immediate, he didn't look just towards the things that were right in front of him. You know, I don't know if you've ever uh, have you ever gotten some binoculars and like because you like really couldn't see something very well. So then you put them on and you realize that you had them going the wrong way, and you just feel like you feel like kind of like a dummy. You know, you're just like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. Abraham didn't do that. He had him going the right way, and he saw it. He saw it as clear as day. He he didn't see it for what it what it was really going to look like, but he saw ahead, knowing that. There was something, and that God was promising that it was going to be real. And there was going to be something he could hope in and put his confidence in. So he just took God at his word. Because no word had passed that or had failed that God had promised him. I think sometimes we want to see it, but we want to see it exactly the way that makes sense to us and exactly the way that is going to be like, oh, I, I've already seen this before. For instance, do you know what tomorrow is going to hold? No, you don't. But you have confidence in it and everything sometimes because, well, it's probably going to be like today. It's probably going to be like every other Monday. But that's not what we should have confidence in tomorrow and what it's going to hold. It should be that no matter what it looks like, I know that God is in control, so I have confidence in it. I have faith. Um, Another example might be uh, that God's going to take care of us and that we're not going to be lacking in our need, right? That that I'm going to have food and I'm going to have... Clothing. I might not always have the nicest clothing, I might not have the food that I want, and I might not always have shelter. But I can believe in the promise of God that he will take care of me and he will supply my needs. Is it because all my needs have always been met? That shouldn't be my reason to believe the promise of God there. It should be because I just have faith in God and that's it. Unfortunately, though, we rely on all these other things. Or maybe it's because... Everyone else is telling us to. So it's like, I want to join in. I just want to be positive with everybody. That shouldn't be my reason either. It should be solely based on God. That's how we give God the glory. That's how we have faith in Him. So I want to back up and I want to talk about a couple of verses. So when you look at verse number 18, my translation says, In hope he believed against hope. I don't know what kind of sense that makes. Because how do you hope against hope? Shouldn't hope just build up more hope? And then I so I had to look it up. And and apparently what some people say this basically means is that it's the idea of he hoped against all odds. This is just like a saying. This is just a common way of, of speaking for them. Like he hoped against all odds. Everything was against it, everything made made sense for it to not go the way that God had said, but he still hoped. So how about us? Do we do that today? Do we hope against hope? Do we hope against all odds? And I think I found myself really lacking in that. I think it's hard sometimes for a multitude of reasons. But that's why I want to continue and read verses 23 through 25. The words that was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who is delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. This whole thing about he, it was counted to him as righteousness, that he found faith, that he hoped against hope and everything. It's not just written for Abraham's sake, so that we say, out a boy, Abraham, way to go. It's written for ours. And not just for ours to say, that's cool that he could do that. It's written so that we could say, that's for us too. That's for me. I can be, it can be counted to me as righteousness. I can have that kind of faith. I can believe in the promises of God and hope in those promises, even against all odds. I can have endurance and confidence that it will come to pass, and I can find peace and true life the same way Abraham did. Abraham didn't see a lot of those things happening in his life. But to the end, he always believed in God. So I can find this too. And how is that going to happen? I think part of it goes back to verses 5 through 8 that we kind of we read but we kind of skipped over especially what he says in verse number seven and eight where david speaks of the blessings of the one to whom god counts righteousness apart from works okay how can i find righteousness without only being an adherent to the law without only being like a lawful person how I, how can i find righteousness it says, Blessed are those who lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count as sin. I need to try to not sin. I need to try to not have lawlessness. But what I see here is that really, the way I find righteousness apart from the law is by being forgiven. I find it because God covers my sins at the end of the day. I don't find it because I stop what I'm doing and it's all about me and because I'm doing the law. I find it because God allows me to be justified. He doesn't count as sin the things that I am forgiven of. I think that's the first way that I can find the same thing that Abraham found, and that I can have faith in it. The second thing is going back to verse number 15, where he says, For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. There's a righteousness of faith. Excuse me, I'm in verse 13 through 15 that we read. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through law, but through the righteousness of faith. You don't have confidence that you are going to be an heir and that you have an inheritance in heaven because of your deeds, because of your adherence, your keeping the law. That's not what gets you there. What gets you there is this righteousness that comes by faith, which is not of ourselves. It's from God that we have that. So. Uh, I think of this sometimes, and and we'll wrap up in just a second. I think I like to think of this: everything that God says for us to do, He's really shown that's part of His character, right? Like He tells us to be merciful, well, He's merciful. He tells us to be gracious, He's gracious. So I know how to do all those things. What about being faithful? What about having faith? Does God tell us to have faith and to be faithful to Him, just because, or does He do that because He Himself? epitomizes what faith truly is is it not is he not faithful to us is, does he not show faith in that not belief as in like you know he believes in a higher power the same way we are supposed to have that faith I, this is how it works in my mind so hopefully it might help someone think of it this way as well he put confidence and faith in people by sending his son to die for people and almost hoping maybe maybe God not hope, maybe he knew but be, but having faith that people would see that and would believe in him and would follow him if it wasn't for that what's the point of sending his son to die for the sins of people and the world if the world if nobody in the world was ever meant to follow him and to seek forgiveness he did it cuz he had faith that we would actually believe and that we would actually be Faithful to him. So we can have an inheritance, we can be heirs, not because of the law, but because of faith and through righteousness. So we've already talked about the last one, but it's really the way we I think we do this and the way we can have confidence and we can hope. And you know, I kinda wanted this lesson to be a little bit about our theme, about the promises. So how can all this happen, or how can I have any sort of confidence in the promises of God? I really do think at the end of the day, it's about just believing. Um, and not just believing in something that's just inside my heart. Abraham didn't just believe in his heart. He believed with his whole body. He believed in his actions. He believed with his life. So let's go over to to Mark, Mark right there in Romans, because we're going to come back and read Romans 5 in just a second. Uh, but go over to Mark. Now, I want you to see the some of the first words that Jesus said as he began his ministry and i want us to go and see some of the last words of jesus in his ministry he says in verse 15 of mark 1 the time is fulfilled the kingdom of god is at hand repent and believe in the gospel the message from the beginning was here's the kingdom repent and believe Jesus focused on belief throughout his whole time. That's what it was about. That's what he kept on bringing up. Believe in him. Believe in him. Follow me. Come after me. And then you see what he said in Mark 16. What he tells those disciples there, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. You know, sometimes we use that verse and we try to really just prove that like, hey, I know that he just said that if you don't believe, you're going to be condemned. But he did say you have to be baptized. So it's about baptism, right? And yeah, I mean, that, that's obviously that's what Jesus said. It's, but what did he also? He, he put the emphasis on believing. So we don't need to try to just use this verse as a way to, like, a point of contention with people. It needs to be, like, a, a message that we promote. Believe and be baptized. Believe and be baptized. So I can have this confidence, and other people can because of the words of Jesus that I just need to believe in him and follow him. And then going along with uh, going back to Romans chapter five, we'll just read verses one through five and then that'll be it. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. What it really comes down to is hope. That's what all this leads to. And if you think about what he says there about the sufferings versus really three through five, Think about Abraham with that. There were sufferings. But that suffering produced endurance. And that endurance produced character. And that character produces hope. So I can have this because I know that I've been justified by faith. I can have peace with God. I can have access into His grace. We can then rejoice. How? Because I hope in God. I have hope in Jesus Christ. Because He's given us the Holy Spirit where we can have some sort of peace through that and we can have some sort of confidence obviously we have the word where we can rely on but really what it comes down to is that i need to have faith i need to have an understanding that righteousness is something i can actually have because of the faith i can i can believe in his promises and then i can keep on going and at the end of it i can have true life i can have life that is eternal so i hope that maybe some of this has been helpful again just to reiterate it, it's all about what we're trying to find. And if and if we're trying to find God, if we're trying to find Christ, if we're trying to find eternal life, and all these different things that he has said that he will give, then we just need to make sure we're actually seeking it, as opposed to saying it and not really following through with it. Um, anyway, so if maybe you have found or you're thinking that you've not been really, you haven't found that, and you realize it's because you haven't been seeking that, you haven't found your faith or whatever it might be, well, we, we are definitely here. We're, we're a close group. We're not just because we're small or anything like that. We're a close group because we care about each other. And no one needs to be ashamed to talk to someone here. Um, but it might be that you just need to pray to God, that you need to spend some time really thinking about your life and what you're actually seeking after. Um, Whatever that is, if you need to respond uh, publicly, that's great. If not, I hope that we can work on this and be better.